Hey everybody, what's up? It is the Cover Band Central Wisdom Hour, number 188 for Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. I'm Steve Witchell in New Orleans. And I'm Tony B coming to you from New Jersey. Tony Tempo Seven. today. Tempo T-T. today. Talk Tempo. What do you like want to it. know? What do you want to know? Yes, uh, we are coming to you live right now as we do each and every Tuesday. Uh, we are broadcasting on the Cover Band Central Facebook page, in the Cover Band Central Facebook group, and on the Cover Band Central YouTube channel. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. There is a uh, link in the description for that. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast and listen every week, we appreciate you. And uh, make sure you share it. And you can also watch this on YouTube, too. So if you don't only want to listen and you want to see what we look like and all that stuff, you can watch us on YouTube. The link is in the description. Check it out. Anybody Check that's coming out. in here watching live, come on in and say hello. We will say hello back. And even if you're watching the replay, you can say hello like Elizabeth does every week. She says hello. Thanks for being here, Elizabeth. Up, Elizabeth Bobby from Colorado. Eric said the chat just got a little more handsome. Got to thank Eric this yeah. week. This week I played a gig which I'll talk about. I was supposed to be off the whole weekend. And, That's and, right. Uh, I heard you weren't playing, Steve. What happened? I ended up playing. And Eric just happened by while we were playing. He was on break from his uh, his gig. And I I handed him the, my bass. I, I said, Eric, come on up stage. And I gave him my bass and let him play uh, a couple songs. And there was a reason for that, which I'll go into. But thank you, Eric, for doing that. I appreciate you. And by happenstance, you just happened to be at the club. Carl's here. Anybody else is coming in? Come on in and say hello. Tell us where you're from. I think I already said that. Like, Chonk is here. Chonk, man. Where you been, brother? Haven't seen you in a while, I, right? I just saw him uh, two days ago. He was in New Orleans, too, visiting wow. for uh, the holiday. And uh, Steve, all kinds of hosting going on. And right? he yeah. came by while we were playing. And uh, I tried to get him up, and he wouldn't come up on stage, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so Eric said it was fun, tight group. We were on break and had a chance to visit for a change, which was really cool. Because we don't normally play nice. Sunday nights. It's normally Rockbox there that I play with. Yeah. So, all right, so I'll explain what happened. Um, I was, yeah, I was supposed to be off at Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, there's a thing called Bayou Classic in New Orleans on Thanksgiving weekend every year, and... It generally brings a different kind of crowd, not uh, the one that would come see a rock band. So we're usually off. And But the band I play with during the day did work, but I didn't play. I, I gave it to um, the guy who subs for me. And uh, the band at night at, at, at Backhats was off. But then I got a call Sunday afternoon from Jason, the band leader from the day band, and said, do you want to play tonight at Backhats? Um they needed a band, so they asked the day band from Bandstand to play. <laughs> Walk across the street and go play Fat Cats. Yeah. So I said, yeah, okay. I had basically accomplished everything I wanted to for the weekend, and I was just chilling. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll go in and play. So I, I did, and it was it was a relatively slow night. It's not a busy weekend, really, in New Orleans. And uh, but it was you know it was fun. But there's more to that story that I will get into in a little bit. Yeah, that seems like a pretty abbreviated version of the happening. Yeah, uh, Edward's here. The, oh, YouTube link is Hippie Chronicles. Dan, oh, he calls himself Dan Simmons, not Edward. He's got his whole full name there. Though. Correct. You got to look at the. We'll check that out. Charles Downs uh, from Southeast Virginia joined the page of members. Thank you, Charles. Dig it down, Charles Downs. Um, so, uh, just some house cleaning. We ran the Hercules contest for all of November and that is finished. We were giving away smartphone holders for November and we gave the last one away this week. Uh, for December, I'll announce that later this week. Um, and then we'll talk about it next week, what, what we're giving away, but it is a huge Hercules item. It's one of the more popular ones. It is, uh, it's great to have in your arsenal uh, at a gig or in the studio, at home, wherever you play, um, especially if you have a lot of guitars. That's all I'll say. Oh, hint, hint, Steve. So uh, I'll show it. Yeah, I'll announce it uh, during the week, and then we'll talk about it next week here, and we'll show you a copy and uh, what it looks like and all that. Uh, Rebecca Good says stuff. hi. Excellent. Rebecca has a lot of names. Elizabeth Brewer Little. So she could be Becky Liz. 
brewery. Could be. Jeanette's from uh, yeah. Australia. Thanks for joining us, Jeanette. Yeah. Um, so you you played over the weekend, yeah? I did. Yes, I played Sunday. I played uh, Sunday. Let's hear it. Great gig indoors. It rained all day, so weather was crappy out. Um, but we had, we had a great turnout. Good gig. Unveiled some new songs. My buddy was up from Florida for the weekend. Uh, for Thanksgiving, you know, he's going back to, uh, yesterday, so he's uh, he's back in Florida now, but he came with a crew of people, and uh, yeah, we had a great gig. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, some new tunes to unveil, which is always a pleasure. What were the new songs? New songs were Abacab. Oh, great song, man. Great song. And let me tell you, like, you know, we kept saying, like, let's do some Genesis, right? Because that's like the one band we don't have in our in our repertoire that would fit in with exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. There's so many great tunes, you know, and what era do you go and how obscure and how much B-side are people really going to know? So I said, you got to do Abic. You got to do Abacab, man. It's iconic. You know, it'd be great. It's not super crazy, technical, difficult to pull off. We could, you know, we could do it. And we did it. And dude, let me tell you, it went over huge. Like people were, the response was tremendous. You know, everyone was applauding and cheering and, Big surprise, you know, like they they were not expecting that. And then we did "Love Lies Bleeding" by Elton John. Ah, another great one. Yeah. Do you do "Funeral that... for, for for a Friend" the whole intro? No, no. It's just oh, okay. it's just we don't think people are going to sit through seven minutes of Elton. It's better just to bang, 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 bang. You know. So we do like the very very last ending, where it goes didn't 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 little 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 the whole build just before it goes into "Love Lies," maybe like fifteen seconds of that, but that's it. We used to do, I used to do that with a band called uh, Mad Rabbit I used to play with, and we would play, actually it was Bad Habit at the time, before it became Mad Rabbit, and we would do Funeral funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding by Elton John, the whole thing, and it would be a song that we would do, like, coming back from break, you know, mm-hmm. so so having that Set long intro, yeah, so having that long intro was kind of cool it was kind of like when i played with you guys with um outskirts we would come back and we would do the u2 song that had that kind of long yes streets have no name streets have no name we would do that coming back from break with outskirts and it had that nice long kind of creeping in intro and everybody knows the song so it's not like a boring intro you know what's coming and it's a really good kind of just to kind of ease you back in you know, but like, so, yeah, I would agree with you on that aspect of it. But the word on the street is there's a couple of other bands in our region that do that song and they do it really well and they do the whole thing mm-hmm. and it, it's sleepy. It's too sleepy. It's like just okay. too, it's too long. So we decided to go the other route. We'll see. Maybe we go back. But I will tell you that we also ended Abacab. We cut out the three minutes and 45 seconds of the end of just, right, right, you know, right. all the keyboard and noodling. And it's really cool part. But again, it's just, you know, it's it's almost four minutes. Right. So, you, could, you know, it's a right. whole nother song worth of time. Right. You know, so get to the meat of the tune, get in, give the people what they want, have a creative ending, zip right out, get into the next one. That's good. Good. Yes, yeah, so that was fun. And then we did Black Magic Woman, which isn't new, but we did now... Uh, we tried doing the drum a drum solo in the middle of Black Magic instead of Golden Slumbers, which oh, okay. is great for me because it's a whole different feel and it's a whole different event, you know? So it's right. a whole different perspective and thought for a spotlight. So that was fun. It was a good time. Right. So you still do that whole Beatles thing, the Golden Slumbers? Oh, yeah. And then to the end? Yep. Uh, yeah, straight through to the, to the, into the end, yes. I in love that. End. I love that. So that was because you got Jimmy, right, in this band that you're playing with, right? Yep, yep. I'm playing keyboards. Yep. And he was in Outskirts. So did yep. he did he depart Outskirts before you or after you or at the same time? No, he was still he was still or in... Or Weisenheimer's, I should say. Yeah, he was still in Weisenheimer's at that point when I departed. And right. then they had some shambles of a band that they tried to throw together to do a wedding here or there. But other than that, there's no more gigging. There's no more band. Right, you know, right. Kel's playing full time with with his gig. You know, right. He's with the uh, um, what's the name of the band? Can't remember. Something simple too. I should know it. And they're they're a pretty good popular Jersey band too. He yeah, doesn't he, watch our. He show plays anymore. a lot though. He plays a lot. 
He does play a lot because I do see his posts all the time. Yeah, there's so he's another always, band. He's always playing. There's another band in Jersey too, and I, I made a list recently. And I should say, like, I I see other podcasts and listen to other podcasts that are kind of along the same lines as what we do, and most of them will have guests on, and we rarely have a guest on. So I made a whole list of people. There's so much entertainment here, Steve. There's there's no room for guests right now. But after there's episode two hundred, they'll be the the it'll be wide open. Calendar will be wide open. Well, I made a list of people that I like to have as guests, so that's going to start coming up. But one of them, I, I'd like to reach out to Paul Riario, who's a guitar player from New Jersey. Yeah, um, and uh, he's somebody I've known since I was a teenager, or you know, early twenties. I played in Bank with Little Sister, and that's when I knew him. And uh, he works for Guitar World. He's uh, and he uh, is a, an amazing guitar player, and he's got a band in Jersey called super trans am and they do they're like a 70s rock show mm -hmm. and they just played the stone pony i think over the weekend i know it was a stone pony i think it was over the weekend and i saw just a quick clip of one song today and stone pony packed and you know Stone pony is an iconic room in new jersey yeah. that the house that bruce built and uh i've played there a couple times but it was you know jam-packed for a cover band so i like I want to talk to Paul about that band. I know, I either personally know or know of all the players in that band, and they're all top-notch, um, you know, uh, players in that scene that have been around for decades. And what's funny is, by no other connection, I know Paul's younger brother, Pete. Right, and we did have this this whole discussion yes. about that. And so that you didn't want to you didn't want to tell the story about the records flying all over the place, but. <laughs> We get we get Paul on. We'll talk about it. Okay. All right. So I'm going to reach out. He was there. He may remember it or he may just deny it and pretend like he doesn't remember the story. I'm going to reach out to Paul and try to get him here for next yeah. week. But so. how you could not remember something as epic as that is beyond me. Yeah. No, I'm sure he does. And Paul's he's a great guy, so he'll be he'll be a great guest. Um, you guys like the story, and it's true. So uh, I I was getting to a point and I forgot what it was. Yeah, talking about uh, departures and Cal. Oh, uh, and Cal, like and, and your band, and yeah, yeah. and uh, how that all uh, fell apart. I guess um, it's yeah, it's a rough business, folks. Yeah, you know, it's not for everybody. You got to treat people right, or they <laughs> they find people that will. Yeah. Um, so, anything other, anything else of note for from your weekend gig? For anything else of note from my weekend gig, um, no. Just in summary, I would say that we, you know, we got there early, had a good sound check. We were able to shake out some some gremlins in, in the sound, and I had a great gig. Had a great Thanksgiving. Had some time home with the family. Kids were home from college. Got to jam with Cole for a little bit. My younger son. Uh, he's got some new original songs he's working on, so that was fun. So yeah, I'm excited to work on that. Uh, we had a little Thanksgiving jam. So yeah, life is good. Original songs, what's that like? Yeah, it's great. Well, that's where I'm, that, that's my bread and butter, man. That's what I was raised on. So, I know. You know, it's playing the cover thing's fun, but I I would love to go back to originals again. So, yeah, so I'm getting a good exposure with, with Cole because he's coming up with, you know, he's probably got 30 songs now at this point. And they, they're everything and anything from like a Van Halen muse to like Harry Chapin to like Joni Mitchell to Billy Joel to Jackson Brown. Uh, it's a Zeppelin, you know, and plus he's learning a bunch of covers now too. So he's learned a bunch of Zeppelin covers, Rush covers, um, and just a bunch of tunes like at school. So and he's playing on. guitar or bass. He's playing or... bass. He's playing, he's playing guitar. Bass. He's playing okay. keyboards. He's playing drums, but he's primarily playing guitar, bass, and keyboards. Those are three main instruments. So he'll write a song on keyboards that's of a certain vibe. He'll write a song on on guitar. Then accompany the bass. He plays acoustic. He's got three or four acoustics. He's got. Uh, and now he's got all his guitars on the wall over here, right? Right by right. here, all tuned to different tunings. Right. So, if, you know, he's got open D, drop D, standard tuning. Then he's got, you know, a couple of different, like, alternate tunings. Um, so depending on what guitar he picks up will influence the perspective or the mood that he'll write a song in, you know, which is always cool because as soon as you pick up the guitar, it has a different sound to it, right? When it's right, tuned differently. Sure. And since they're all tuned up, you know, differently, it's not like, ah, oh, I wish I, you know, I, I would tune to open D, but that means I got to go now and retune, you know, the whole guitar. 
No, right. they're all done already. They're all up and ready to go. So he just picks it up, plugs it in, has his thing going. So the new thing is loops now. Yeah, you know, loops. looper. So he'll, he'll create a loop, and then I'll groove groove along with the loop, and then he'll solo over top of the loop and me me jam it. That's the thing. Somebody asked that question last week. We were talking about it about is uh, is the looper thing dead or no? I think it's it, uh, yeah, I think it's just starting because I mean yeah. you know depending on what it is, but I know that the effects pedal that he uses is like an old boss pedal from like the eighties mm -hmm. and it's great and it has it has a loop function built into it, but you can only loop one thing and then you can play on top of it. So you can't do like when you see these loop competitions where, you know, they create a loop, then the guy will play a bass loop, you know what I mean? Then he'll play a keyboard loop and he can keep adding and building and then turning on and off with a foot pedal the different loops. Right. So he's not we're not that advanced yet, but I foresee that probably coming because we do it now with GarageBand, you know? Cole go down, lay down an acoustic track, then he'll accompany it with a bass, you know, lay down a groove or go and lay down a, a drum track with a click, just a reference track, and then build on that and then come down and be like, hey, what do you think about this idea? And he won't play me his reference track. And I usually come up with something similar or something, something completely different than what he did, you know? Right, that's cool. Which is either like, yeah, I like that better than what I, you know, it's a cool idea to go halftime there or, or double time or that different feel or that superimposed thing there as opposed to what originally was going to do there. Or sometimes it's, it's you know, a more simplified part. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun get to create parts again and not recreate parts, you know. But equally as fun because I will tell you that, like, I think the, the most fun I had this weekend was, like we talked about last weekend a little bit, was with the two new songs, you know, playing Abacab and then playing Love Lies Bleeding. Two mm -hmm. way different styles, right? Abacab's the first record that Phil was really the front man on. It was the first album that they produced themselves, and he had a big hand in producing. So it's super drum heavy. So if you listen to Abacab, the loudest thing in the mix are the drums. Every aspect of them. Right, you know? right. Cymbals, drums, snare, toms, bass drum. It's, it's, it's up front, right? It's front and center. And he plays a very particular pattern. It's not just, doo, da, doo, doo, da, doo, da, doo, da, you know, he constantly right. mixes it up. And as he's telling the story of the lyrics, he's accentuating certain parts of the lyric with bass, with, with his kick drum, you know. So if you really right. listen to it, he plays a very orchestrated part with a ton of feel, but it's very much not repetitive. And then you go to Elton John and you have the same exact thing. You know what I mean? Right. You, you, you have uh, the parts that are very, like we talk about, it, like almost avant-garde and jazzy and not a lot of crash cymbals and they're doubled up like you know the hi-hat's still playing the whole time through the song it's double tracked and while he's playing on the ride cymbal and doing something else you know so right. you try to recreate that which is possible you need some amb ambidextrous you know some dexterity but you it, it's possible to do it so you can play the groove along by going as you're playing you know you accent the hi-hats and some have bass drums and some are open and empty so that was cool to actually listen to new songs that we haven't done from radically different artists, right? E both equally great and popular, but two different uh, approaches to songwriting, right? And and musicality and and, and arrangement. Right. So that was that was the thing I take away from this weekend was, you know, when when we do what we do in cover bands, like we talked about in the past, you really got to study the parts and try to get inside at least for me the drummer's mind of how he's thinking about how he's playing that part you know right. what parts are driving what parts aren't and it's fun to play songs that aren't just you know straight ahead same thing you know verse chorus repeat verse chorus repeat solo verse chorus out right and it's basically the same groove the whole time you know what i mean like i mean great tunes though like swing town right great tune mm -hmm. but you're not deviating the groove is the same the right. whole time. Right. You know? Or else it wouldn't be Swingtown. Exactly. It wouldn't have that swing that you find there in Swingtown, you know? Right. So that was fun to play songs that are more challenging to where you have to remember and actually listen to what the parts are and figure them out. Right. You know? Like the beginning of Love Lies, you've played it, right? But oh, yeah. next time you play it with a drummer, see if he cops the intro. When it first comes in with the piano mm -hmm. and the hi-hat comes in, t -t 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 -t, right? Right. It's one, two, three, four, and one, two, three, and four, and one, two, three, and four, right. and one, and two. Dun, dun, dun. So if you're not listening and figuring it out, you just say, oh, he's just playing some random bass drums there. Because when you listen to it, it sounds like kooky. It's not on a downbeat, you know what I mean? It's right. E's and U's, and the last one's on the downbeat of the two. 
So check that out, Steve. You report back when you, next time I, you play, right? I want I a recording on a phone. It's been a Steve, long time. How I, these guys in New Orleans are really up to speed or not, right? We just played um, foreplay a long time, though, and I hadn't played that. Yeah, great. I hadn't dude. played that in a long time. Yep. And uh, I've played it so many times, though, that I pretty much remembered it. But we got a request for that. that this was last week. And, uh, yeah, that was fun to play that song. It, it's a fun song to play. And the fact that I hadn't played it in a long time was like, oh, okay, cool. Do I really yeah, yeah. remember this one? But I did. That's a great. That's a great tune, man. Yeah, we've been talking about doing that one for a while too. Breaking that one out. Yeah. Um, so. So yeah, I guess I'll get to the topic here. Uh, nobody has commented on the topic yet. Hey, so wait. So before you get to the topic, though, when you guys do long time, do you take it down a, a half step, or do, do you, does, is it a guy singing it, a girl singing it? It's a guy singing it. Wow. Okay. Um, trying to think who sang it. It must have been Sonny. Uh, we, we have good, good register. Yeah, Rockbox. We have Sonny. Uh, he sings and he sings all the journey and, and the high shit and um, okay, so and he's, he's really good. good. We've been doing um, "Everybody Wants You" by Billy Squire. Oh yeah, we do that tune too. Yeah, uh, which which and he sounds just like Billy Squire when he sings it. He gets in that nasal. Billy Squire voice, um, and he hits all those notes. And and the one that he always says is hardest. We do photograph by Def Leppard, and that's that gets it's a tough too. Yeah, but he's got a great voice. You know, he's got that that uh, that high yeah. tenor voice. So he you know he nails all that stuff. Um, so, but topics. Yeah, the topic I chose was substance abuse, and. I, I always try to draw topics from what's going on in my real life and my real gigging experiences. And it's it's a fine line because there are people that, you know, that I know that watch this and listen. And, and, and I, I don't want to uh, throw anybody under the bus or get anybody in, into trouble. But at the same time, I, I like to keep it real. So... Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Yes. So, like, like Abe, my guitar player, uh, current guitar player, said he was watching last week. He never said hello. So, Abe, if you're watching, say hello so we know you're watching. Um, He's but, checking in to make know. sure you're not talking about him. No, I don't think so. He said it was interesting. Um, <laughs> interesting. He, they, he said, Indeed, it is. Eric said Sonny is the man, yes, so he, he can back me up on him. Sonny singing. Uh, but all right, so I mean, in general, if you work in the music industry, you're going to be exposed to substances, whether you're using them or not. You're going to be exposed to them pretty often, almost all the time. <laughs> um, and when I say, yeah, and when I say substances, I don't mean alcohol, and I don't mean pot. Because pot, although pot is kind of a substance, I guess, it is so ubiquitous that, you know, it's not, it's not even, and it's also legal now in a lot of states. So it's not like, and people, you know, I'm, I'm a pot advocate, so I, I, I don't, I don't think it's really dangerous. I think it's actually good for you in many ways. So when I'm talking about substances, I'm talking about other things that are like illegal drugs, pills, cocaine, heroin, stuff like that. And I don't know. And so, why do you think musicians would be doing that, Steve, before performing? Hi, Leo. From Mesa, so, Leo, Arizona. From AZ. Um, why? Because people are troubled. Mm. <laughs> um, and Indeed. No, many, I was saying that kind of facetiously ways. because if we knew that answer, we'd, we'd, we'd be able to solve a lot of history's uh, greatest riddle, riddles and, and tragedies, right? Why yes. do people do the things they do? I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the second word of that, which is abuse, right? So it's, mm -hmm. again, you know, when you're a professional musician, we always say this, right? You're hired to, to for what you do and you're supposed to bring your best every time. And if you think that you know, excessive drinking or pills or or blow or any other narcotic is going to make you play better. I think that's a, you know, 
you're, you're fooling yourself. I think that's a way to, you know, to justify the behavior. But again, you know, I think if you record yourself often and watch back, you'll be able to tell at what times you were. And it depends on the motif of the band too, right, Steve? Because if, if there's only one guy in the band who's doing it, it's a lot easier to say like, dude, you got to stop or, or you got to ease up on that, you know? Yeah. As opposed to if it's, you know, three quarters of the band that's doing it, you know? then you're the odd man out, you know, or like you said, what do you do in that case? Do you, do you just tolerate it? Who do you have the conversation with if, if you know, th- most of the band is, is abusing something? Right. So that's, that's a tough situation if you are the odd man out. So do you, do you, do you do something about it or do you just leave the situation or, or do you just ignore it? You know, some people can just ignore it and just do their own thing and, and be fine with that. Um, it's funny you said about people thinking they're better when they're, you know, doing certain things. Uh, uh, somebody said it to me recently and I, I have been recently really tempering drinking because I'm doing so much, uh, playing so long, you know, I'm doing doubles and stuff. Yeah. You need the endurance. Sure. And yeah, I've been, I, I bring lots of water with me and I'll drink a little bit, generally not during the day at all. And then maybe a little bit at night and that's it. And so, uh, you know, the, the rest of the band, one of the times recently was drinking a lot and I wasn't drinking at all. And somebody said to me, we play better drunk, don't we? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you don't. Right. And I can see why people think that they do, but, but they definitely don't. You know, well, it, think, case, well, think about it in that effort of, you know, when you're sober and have clarity and you're playing and you're fully aware and you're bringing your best. Right. I mean, you're 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 in the moment of, of you know, consciousness that you're bringing that or you're channeling, you know, that energy. I, I think that when you're you know, intoxicated, you block that channel a little bit and your your bar gets lowered, you know, as far as like they say, beer goggles. Right. It applies to everything. You know, things mm. that you normally wouldn't look at or appreciate when you're sober. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, well, that's not so bad. So I could see why people would say that, you know, like I'm playing great because you because you, you feel great. But it's an illusion. If someone else is being like, no, you're really not. You know, and that's why I said it's good to record yourself sometimes and watch things back. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I think that sounded great. And you watch it back and you're like, oh, Oof. wow, won't do that again. Right. Right. But if you'd ever watched it back and everyone told you you were great at the gig. Right. That's a good topic. So if you're in a band, put this up on next time, Steve. If you're playing in a band and you ca- at the end of the gig, you say to yourself, man, I counted like, you know, 10 things that I, that were just not good. And I think overall the band did not sound that good. And then you watch back a recording and you're like, well, it's not as bad as I thought, but there's still some moments in there that I would, I, I would cr- cringeworthy moments. But yet everyone at the place had a great time. You got booked for five more shows there. The crowd had an awesome time. People wanted the band's card because they're having some private event they may want to hire the band for. And everyone's praising the band with accolades of how great the performance was. So at the at the end of the day, was it a great performance gig? Even though you may look back at the performance and say that was probably like 75% of what the band's capable of, you know? Right. But, the, the, but the crowd walked away 100% you know, satisfied right. recording the whole, you know, for their own purposes, maybe they have different standards than you, but you know what I mean? So when that's always an interesting thing to say, well, then was it a success? Yes. Was it a great gig? I think that's a matter of opinion. Right. And yeah, great point that that's why it's good to record it. So you can go and back, uh, watch it back, but to get feedback from people too. And I hope Chalk is still watching. He said, uh, he said, "Why people do it? He said, traditionally boredom while touring, um, and yeah, that definitely that's happens. That's, that's a different story, though. You know, right. if you're on the road for 200 days a year, right? You know, you got to find something to occupy your time that's productive, or you're going to get sucked into unproductive, idle badness. You know, right? Mark said, "I think you're not yourself if you need to take drugs to perform. You could throw the whole sound off. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if it's a need to take drugs to." to perform i remember i i'm i'm sure you've seen it we've probably even talked about it. history of the eagles and where joe walsh was talking about when he stopped drinking that he was terrified 
to go on stage and sing um, because he always drank. And and to him, that was a whole new territory. That was all a whole new ball game for him. And he was terrified about it. And I think about that a lot when he talks about that because sometimes I drink on stage and sometimes I don't. And I don't feel any real difference in my approach as far as my confidence is concerned. Yeah. Uh, and maybe because I've been doing it for so long since I was a kid. And, and when I was a kid, I wasn't playing and drinking. You know, I was, I couldn't, I wasn't drinking age. Um, I, I'm sure we drank anyway at times, but I wasn't getting, you know, I wasn't drinking on yeah. stage. Um so I don't know, but I think for some people that sort of Joe Walsh mentality is true where they feel like I need to be high to play. I need to have this fixed of whatever this is to get up on stage because a lot of people are get stage fright or not comfortable yeah. being on stage. And um, so what happened was our, our, our bonus gig on Sunday Those guys had been playing all day and they were asked about halfway through the day if they would play at night and they agreed. So those guys drink during the day and sometimes they drink a lot, but I I didn't really get the impression that they had been drinking a lot when I arrived, which was when they were done with the day gig. And then we had some time in between. We had to wait for the other band to finish. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but those guys are doing other things besides drinking and besides smoking pot. And, and I, you know, it's, they're not hiding it from me anyway. Um, and I, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with it unless it becomes a problem on stage and not a problem until it becomes a problem. Yeah. And for one of the members and I'll see if Chunk noticed it. Uh, the singer, I, I mean, he had, I guess, been drinking all day and, and was drinking at night and probably doing some other stuff too. I was told. I didn't, allegedly. I allegedly, didn't, yes. I allegedly. didn't see it. Unconfirmed. But toward, by the end of the night, uh, his his uh, performance was seriously being compromised. And there was a point where I was like, like Jason said to me, you know, he, don't don't let him sing anymore. And I called a song which I thought he'll be fine, he'll be okay in the song. And we started doing it. And I think this was after Chomp left, so maybe, and definitely after Eric was gone. So I don't know that those guys could give me any feedback on it. But once we started the song, I realized, uh oh, this was this was a mistake because mm. it was just. The pitch was off. The, no turning was, back at that point, though. You were already back. in. I was already in, and I felt like I wanted to find the spot to cut the song short. And I kept looking at Jason, like thinking, "Can we like end now. it here? Can we end it here?" And there was just no spot to do mm-hmm. it, so we had to play the whole song. And then after that, Jason told him, "Go take a break." And we had only had at that point fifteen minutes left, twenty minutes left, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so, you're, so you're close to the end of the night at that point. So Sean said, "Makes sense now." I just figured he was tired, but so he knows who I'm talking about. But yeah. he was tired. But he was doing blow too. But but that's allegedly. what I'm saying. But but remember, you've played a day gig of how many sets, right? Five and sets, then, and then you have another night gig. You know, sober and prepared. That's uh, a taxing ask, right? So to be intoxicated going into the night already having spent the day and expended you know all your energy right for that gig and now you got to bring it again at night and, and allegedly you might be engaging in some activities that, that you think will help boost you right to get your energy back up again right but again you're you know it's not going to make you sober right so if you're drunk it, that's going to stick around a little while you know right. what I'm saying? No matter what you do, you're not all of a sudden going to be undrunk to where you're like, oh, now I'm awake right. and I'm, I'm sober I'm and I'm sure. stage and I'm full of energy, right? You know, right. You're, you're six, eight beers in and you've got a good buzz going. That's not something that's going to wear off in, you know, in 15 minutes into a set. Right. You know, maybe well, if you wait. stopped drinking an hour beforehand and then drank water the entire second gig, you know, maybe by the, 
you know, three quarter way through, Mark, you you might be, you know, having a fuel left in the tank to, to bring it home. Right. But which is why people try to compensate for that by doing other things. You know, like, OK, I'm, I'm drunk and I'm, you know, so let Again, me, I, I downer, need downer, to... downer, and now upper, upper, upper. Right? right. It just makes you, you know, up, but you're still down. That makes sense. It doesn't reverse the effect. Right. It just intensifies your drunkenness. But now you're just aware and you're, you're upbeat and you're awake, but you're still hammered. Right. And once you crash from that up that you take, that's a hard crash. Yeah. You know, and I'm not I'm no angel. I've done it before. It's not a regular practice. Um, for me, but I have done it, and I I I hate that feeling. That that's why I won't do it now because I just I hate. Kind of like when you go out and get drunk and have a great time, you wake up the next morning, you're like, oh, I'm never drinking again. Yeah, yeah, and and have that feeling within a couple hours. That same feeling of you know. So <laughs> yeah. So so but you know what I mean. Once you cross that line with drinking and you're hammered, like that, that's not a good place to be on stage. No, no, there's no, there's no escape. There's no way out, and you're definitely not bringing your best at that point anymore. You're right. you're clawing on for survival of your own doing, right? Right. So, like, ha- I would try to avoid everything possible not to ever have to be there. Right. Right. We, who wants to be in that position? You know, we've all been there. I can remember playing gigs and people buying shots for the band, shots for the band, and you got to do them. And the guy comes up and, you know, you're not putting it down. You're drinking this one with me, you know, and you, you do the shot. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoo. And, you know, you're almost borderline, like too hammered to c- continue playing. Yes. I've had that a couple times. Considering how many times I've played in New Orleans, it's it's a very, very, very low percentage of times. But I've had it ha- happen a yeah, couple times. That only times happened where, to me once, one time. And it was on video, and I never, I never drank like that again. I just said I appreciate it, but do not buy me a shot. Right. You yeah, know, it's, not, it's, not, not twenty people buying the band shots. You know what I'm saying? Because then you get trays of shots that nobody's drinking. Right. So we'll try to tell people ahead of time, like you know, if you want to buy the band a drink or something. We appreciate that, but please don't come up with trays of shots, right? Because not every guy is going to drink them. And like you said, you get four or five people deep. Now you've got twenty shots in front of you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's tough in New Orleans. We had this guy a couple of weeks ago for Rockbox bought us a round of shots and early in the night. You know, we're like three or four songs in right. to to a eight set night. Um, <laughs> three or four songs into an eighty song evening. Eighty song evening, and comes up with a round of shots. Walks back to the bar, buys us another round, brings it to the stage, and he did that five times yeah. in a row. Just. Bought the shots, walked them to the stage. Went back to the bar, bought shots, walked them to the stage. So, yeah, so we just had shots lined up. Yeah, much appreciated, but at the same time, right, that, you know, if you do every shot that everyone buys for you, you're not going to get through three sets, you know? Yeah, and I I, I, I think at at that point, after five, the singer, one of the singers said to him, all right, that's enough, stop. Like, thanks, dude, but stop, like, yeah, we're going to. We'd rather have the money. Give us tips. (laughs) You know, yeah, exactly. tip the band instead of giving us all this alcohol. So I had all these shots lined up on the side of me, and I was like yeah. sipping during the night, just sipping them. Um, but so, so this is where this gets a little sticky, and and it's and it's uh, uh, scary too right now. This this person, the singer from that band, on Sunday was you know t- it was told to take a break and. He left the stage, and we haven't seen or heard from him since. So, um, uh, we heard that his his car, he got in the car and he left. I guess it, it was parked in a lot, but he doesn't. He didn't pr- take his guitar. He didn't take his phone. Um, so we haven't been able to find reach him. And they, he, we looked around for him for a long time, and couldn't find him. Um, so. But his car's gone, so he got in his car and left. Yeah, but he was not in shape to drive, and he was—he has to drive a long way home. Hmm. Um, so it's scary, and and um, that's gross. Eric said he does the coyote ugly thing and spit spits it back in the beer bottle, but that's clever uh, too. Well, see, yeah, that's what you do. You drink the shot, then you pick up your beer bottle as if you're going to do a chaser, but instead. You spit the shot into the beer, the empty beer bottle. There you go. That's pretty. Slow. So that way you're not insulting anybody. Correct. And See, what we used to not... do is, 
you know, they bring the shots up and they hand it to the drummer and then they're so preoccupied watching everyone else get the shot, you can take the shot and hold it in your hand this way so you can't see the cup, you know, just the top rim and dump right. it in a in a keg cup or an empty cup behind the drums, like a cut like a red, you know, like a red keg cup. Yeah. Dump it right in there and yeah, excellent, thanks, dude. And you know, chuck the empty or give them the empty back and then you you know, at the end right, just like the cup you're drinking out of. You know, by the end of the night you got a half full cup, three quarters full maybe, but you're still at optimum performance and peak efficiency because right. you haven't compromised yourself. The great thing about the red solo cup is you don't know what's in here. That's right. That's right. Could be water. Could Where's be the milk, button, dude? Where's could the be button? wine. Could be. Um, That's right. Yeah. I, I, I'm not even close to where, oh, I know I thought where that is. Right. That's right. Um, but yeah, I've been there too, though. In the past, I have played in a situation where a member of the band got so intoxicated that couldn't play anymore and then was called out on stage like, dude, what are you doing? And was just like, you know what? I'm done with you. And just like unplugged the instrument in the case out. And then, okay. Right. And some guy in the bar being like, dude, I play bass and like I live down the street. I can go get my bass. What's your name? Rob. Yeah, Rob, go grab that bass. Bring it back. Wow. Then Rob comes back at the bass, and then it lets everyone know that he's in a Black Sabbath original band that doesn't really know any covers, but he's game for trying anything. There you go. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Here's 50 songs we just rattled off. Right. And no one did better with beer. There you go. <laughs> Leo's band is better is called Better Than Better, better with, beer. with Beer. Yeah, but that's, that's for the audience, band. not for the not for the band members. So, yeah, there's Maybe. that way of looking at it, too. Yeah. Shane said, I drink energy drinks or something like that only. I don't mix drinking and music. I need to be energetic and aware. That's right, Shane. Um, energetic and aware. I like that. So I'm holding good thoughts and prayers for my friend who uh, is currently missing. And this was um, on Sunday? Sunday, yeah. So now so two, Monday, Tuesday, has anyone ago. tried going to his house? No, not, I mean, maybe somebody has, but not any of us. Maybe he's just home and he's like, man, I don't know where my phone is and I don't know where my gear is. And no, Well, that, it, you know. it, there was an attempt to contact his significant other as well. And that was... Uh, came Met with no, re no reply? Came up empty, yes. No no reply. Wow. So so it's scary and, and I hope... Uh, yeah, I hope he's okay. That's the other peril of doing these these precarious things, right? You're putting yourself in in jeopardy, you know. You like you yes. think it's great and it's fun, you know, for that moment in time, but you yes. know, lasting effects, right? I will, I will, Chuck. Um, yeah, yeah, and and the, I kind of mentioned that in the in the uh, in the description here of this topic about you know it's it's really led to people's demise, and it's a shame. It's uh, it's either was recently or or coming up very soon where uh, the anniversary of Razzle from um, uh, um, Hanoi Rocks. Hanoi Rocks was killed at, you know, he was 24 or something like that, 26 maybe, and he was killed because Vince Neal was driving drunk and he was a pass. Razzle was a passenger in the car and yeah. Vince Neal killed him. And, and, and uh, that's like got to be almost 30 years ago. Yeah, uh, it was it was the early... To mid '80s, it was it was when Motley Crue was just really starting to be like huge, so it was like '85, '86 maybe. Um, um, yeah, I guess so because I remember I saw the crew, the first show back tour after Vince got out of prison. Right, and that was like yeah, late '80s. So, yeah. So yeah, about thirty years, and and uh, you know, Nikki Six. You know, famously almost died of a heroin overdose. Yeah, a couple times. Um, and that's, I mean, I've never done heroin. I, 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 I mean, I never would. Uh, but I know people that either have done it or do still do it. I know people that are actively, you know, mm. and, uh, you know, some people that are musicians, some people that are not. And it's, it's frightening to me. Like it, it's, it. That scares the shit out of me, and that's not something I would do because of because it scares the shit out of me. 
Yeah, I don't even like um, getting a flu shot. I can't imagine putting a, right. you know, a needle in your own arm and then having to you know find a new place for it every other day or something. Right. It's just not – yeah, that's not something I would – I wouldn't want to get that high that badly. Right. You know? Although they say, Steve, once you try heroin, though, that's why these people are all addicted because it's so great that they, they don't want to go back to normal life. Right. You know? They'll abandon everything to, to, to chase that high. Right. So just for that reason alone, I would – Suggest people not try it. Yeah. Doesn't I mean, sound it, like something you want to do. Like, hey, Steve, drink, try this drink. It's really good. It'll get you really, you'll feel great. Problem is, like, you'll need to drink another one tomorrow. And then the day after that, you need to drink two. Right. And it's going to cost you $100 a day or something Correct. like that. Exactly. And then, you know, by the time the month is up, you'll have no money left, but you'll be great. You'll feel, you'll feel excellent. You'll feel, you know, like a million bucks. Right. Are there other ways, Tony, to feel better? Than, of course, than doing substances. Get on stage sober and play music. What better feeling is that? <laughs> you know, there's no better feeling than that when you're channeling from the from the ether. You know, and and you're bringing in the magic, and 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 playing it for for your fellow human beings. Right. That's what high is all about. A natural high that you get from music. natural high, baby. I think highs into perspective too. You know, if you're done, if you're bummed out and down all the time and always looking for something to pick you up of artificial nature, you know, there's plenty of other ways to pick yourself up, but you would need to change your perspective, you know, to look at that and say, this is not good for me in the long run. I'm only fooling myself, right, by doing this when I think I'm playing better, but I'm really not. I'm hurting the ones around me because I'm not playing at my best and they're getting pissed off about it. And, you know, maybe you have other problems in your life, relationships or work or things that stem from that. And it's like, you know, a lot of people, I think, are just in denial. It's it's real hard to be honest with yourself sometimes, Steve, you know, you yeah. can try to convince yourself of a million different ways that something you're doing is is plausible, you know, or you could try to convince yourself and say, oh, that wasn't that bad or no, that was you no, know, that's not, not a big deal, uh, you know, but deep, I think, in our heart, we know what the right thing is to do. Unfortunately, I think the further off the path you get, the less of that feeling you have to coax you back. You know, you get you get off the path and you get so deep into the woods that you're not even thinking about the path anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And that that's when people, I think, go to rehab and they get pulled out of the woods and, you know, the dark places that they, they end up in and they get back on a path. And then once they see the path and all the benefits that the path can offer, it's like, wow, I forgot, you know, I wasted 10 years or whatever time of your life, you know, doing drugs and being disassociated from society or whatever the case may be, or even if it's not affecting you in that manner, you could say, man, I spent 10 years playing in bands where I was at like 50%. I played for tens of thousands of people and I was not, not anywhere near my best, you know? Right. And just to, then, you know, you have regret about that and then, or no, or do you say, but I can change right now. And the next 10,000 people that I play in front of are going to get a new version of me new and improved, you know? Yeah. You, you need a motivating factor. And 100%. So, something that, that, that is driving you and you need to want it more than you don't. Like I, I liken it to when I quit smoking, I smoked for 25 years and I quit now it's about six years ago. And when I, when I was deciding to quit, I wanted to quit more than I wanted to smoke. And right. it, it wasn't a hundred percent wanted to quit and a hundred percent didn't want to smoke. But it was more. It was more than fifty percent of me wanted to quit. So that that was it. That was sometimes enough. people don't want to quit, Steve. They like right. the way they feel, and, and they like and, doing it, and they they have regret. But then it's quickly forgotten as soon as they're back into it again. Yeah, and there's and, nothing you or I can do to change that. And then, and we're not in that position, like John, like uh, Mark mentions, consequences are grave for like John Bonham, Keith Moon, Tom Petty, etc. Yeah, uh, but him, but yeah. those are people that had a mega success in their musical lives. And we're just talking about people that are, uh, you know, general everyday musicians. Yeah, but the temptations are still there. I think. Oh, sure. And, and there has... about, you know, we would still have some of these greats, right. If they didn't go to excess. Right. So, you know, like you said, abuse is the key word that we take away from that. Right. Substance right. abuse. You can have a beer or you can have 12 beers. Right? What, right. what is excessive and, you know, what is the limit for what you can, you know, tolerate, right? I wouldn't say having a beer, you know, per gig is in any way detrimental to you being able to perform. Right. 
Yeah, I'm I mean, talking more about, like I yeah, said, at the I know, top I of this. It's still, but alcohol could still be a substance that could be abused. Sure, sure, sure. Like you said, you know, you get six, seven drinks in, you're, you're definitely sloppy. There's no way you're singing as good as you were, you know, four drinks ago. Yeah. Um, and I don't want it to come off as preachy either because I, oh, no, definitely I, I'm going to be, you know, it's very hypocritical of me because I do like to drink. I do like to smoke weed and I have done other things before. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty good. I would say I'm, I'm very good with at, as far as when I'm playing, when I'm working, I know how to, you know, pace myself. I drink water all the time. I, I eat too, you know, on breaks and stuff. So I know how to pace myself and, and not. It's also the environment, Steve, like we talked about. You work but in it's an the environment. environment, you know, because if you worked at a regular job, your boss would be like, I don't care what you do, you know, on your own time, but do not come to work impaired. Right. Right. I'm paying you to be here. Expect you to be clear, alert, awake, sober, and bringing your best version of yourself. Right. Not come compromised, which is also a liability for the employer if you fall down and get hurt, crack your head open, or you know you work with machinery or something happens to you, right? Because you're 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 not you're not sober. That's a liability, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it gets overlooked more in clubs and stuff because people there are drinking and they're most people are intoxicated. That's why they're going to the bar and they're having a good time, right? But you right. don't see the bartenders doing shots with every patron and being fall down drunk at the end of the night, right? Sometimes you, you do. You know, yeah, but I'm saying sometimes but, you do. Yeah, but uh, for the most part, you know, you're that a professional bartender is not supposed to be doing shots and drinks with the with the clientele, or at least not to the point of being so impaired that they can't function. Right. Leo said he has one beat per set, but doesn't that make your tongue all pur- purple? Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, one beer. Yeah, one beer for per set. It, it, again, even that is... Brian is, has you know, a beer every set along with a peppermint schnapps. Yuck. Over ice. That doesn't sound so bad. Right. Peppermint schnapps. Yeah, but again, every, but everyone knows their limits, right? Like, if you can have a beer a set right. and you're... You know, I don't... I think you're still able to drive home, you know, as opposed to if you had, you know... Yeah, even legally, yeah. Two or three beers a set, right? Because you're spacing them out over the entire gig. So if you play three sets of music, it's got to be four hours with breaks, right? So by the time you get there till you finish your last beer, you know, right? It's been four or five hours since you first had a drink. Yeah, and, and yeah, Chunk said that too, and which is something I was going to say. Rock and roll is one of the few professions, or just being a musician is one of the few professions where drinking yeah. slash uh, drugging is accepted, if not encouraged. Yeah, yeah. encouraged even uh, drinking definitely, um, and drugs too. Uh, in certain circumstances. And, and yeah, like you said, the environment, I'm in New Orleans and you walk down the street on Bourbon Street and you can't walk a block without somebody saying, hey, I got some coke. Got some coke. You know, uh, it's everywhere. It's, you know, there's, you could buy weed, you could buy coke, you could buy, you know, I mean, you know, whatever you want. You could get pills if you want to. Yeah. J- Jason's calling me right now. So I and again, it's like, it's like how much you care about the, the band you're in the situation, right? Like you said, if you're just a hard gun and you're the you know the odd man out and everyone in the band is abusing something or other and it's, it's becoming an issue, you know, and like, you're, what do I care? I'm just showing up, getting paid. You know, if the band doesn't sound good, it's not my problem. I'm not the band leader. You know, it's different if you're more invested in a band where it's like, guys, come on, man, like take some pride in what we're doing here. You right. know, you pride yourself on delivering a certain, and I think that's evidence, Stephen, maybe you, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you walk around New Orleans and you say, here's the top five bands in New Orleans, I, I don't think that the majority of the guys playing in those bands have substance abuse problems. They're, they're, you know, they're I would probably, agree, yeah. They're I would probably agree. And, and some people, you know. Buttoned up and professional and got their shit together. Yeah, and some people are, you know, are, are good at, at moderating themselves too and just have a bad night once in a while. And that's, and that's probably most of it. Like the, the frequency of somebody going overboard, it's, it's, it's rare, um, but yeah. If what's more important to you, working or or partying? Yeah, and again, we're certainly not preaching to anybody. Like we're we're you know saints and 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 we're, we do everything the right way. All all I'm saying is that I think personally, in my opinion, that you 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 can't bring your best if you're so impaired that you're struggling to to finish the night. 
as opposed to bringing it that third set fresh and ready to go because the crowd's pumped and primed and you're going into the home stretch now, right? And now's right. where you want to bring it, right? right? That's not the time to be hesitant about your abilities. Yeah, uh, but but it's also understandable too, like based on Sunday, like we, we were, it was slow and we, we were fighting all night to just to get anybody to walk in the door. I mean, we were playing to zero people for quite a while mm. and then- Eventually, we got some people in there, and at most, we had 10 people in the room. Right. At most. And, but you guys and, still got paid, right, to perform, so it's not like an yeah. opportunity to say, well, there's nobody here, so let's just get hammered and have fun. Right, but I can understand why somebody was like, ah, it's no yeah. big deal, there's nobody here, I'm just going to drink. and like. But then once you go over a certain line, you have to be able in yourself to recognize it and say, "Oh, I gotta slow down here." I have. What to happens stop. if you're that? If you're if you're two sets in and no one's here, right? So you're drinking and partying, and, and all of a sudden, you know, two songs later, there's 150 people in the bar and the place right, is alive. Right, right, and now you, all of a sudden it's yeah. oh, reality. Now are, right now, what are you gonna do? Reality's here, dude. You know, yeah. it's not two people that couldn't care. Now it's a whole packed room full of people that are all eyes on you. Yeah, and that's very much a possibility in New Orleans. Yeah, that's why I say that because uh, it can the tide can change, right? Right, just like that. Yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's a tough discussion, and like I said, it's a little difficult for me because of the reality of it, you know, of of what I'm doing and, and the people I'm working with. Um, but you know, it's. Uh, I think it becomes an issue, like you said, if you're playing multiple gigs and it's just it's it's affecting the whole band and it's evident, you know, that it's a problem. Like you said, a one off night here or there, you know, I think that goes with the territory. But I mm -hmm. think a consistent, you know, departure from what's expected, it warrants a conversation. Yeah. And I had to do it before I was a band leader. And this was years ago where I had a person who was subbing for me, showed up impaired and then was drinking and then I and when we were on break I had to let that person go for the night and that was a difficult conversation to have and uh but I had to do it I didn't have a choice cuz that person was just embarrassing the band on mm -hmm. stage and that person was pissed at me of course <laughs> like what do you mean I'm fired in the middle of a gig yeah. pack up my stuff and go did he and actually pack up and go though it was a she, and yes, she did, but she was pissed. And, um, mm. you know, it, it's, that's a tough one to, how do you word that? You know, like, and I just kept it very simple. I just, I, I need, you know, I need to let you go. You, you know, you're done for the night. Thank you for for everything. And that that was it. Not, not you're too drunk. You're, you're you know, not throwing darts at the person. Just. Yep, just the facts. Sorry. Just get, just the facts, man. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing too. That's the thing about experience. Like Scott says, one of the things about us old bastards who are still out there doing it, we figured this out a while back. So, um, yeah, it's something you figure out over time, and hopefully, you 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 make it through and and uh, live to tell the tale. Yeah, but that's the thing too. You got to get home from the gig, right? And then life resumes, you know, back at the ranch, so to speak, right? So if you got a wife, kids, family, anything like that. You know, you don't come home. That's 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 you know, it impacts a lot of people. Yeah. Or you come home super impaired, right? Or you or you get arrested on the way home, and now you can't drive to the gigs anymore. Like right. there's so many repercussions. Like you can only roll the dice so many times. You know what I mean? That is Before true. It will catch up with you. So. That is true. Um, so hopefully we'll have uh, more good news about all that yeah. next week. Uh, we will announce the new Hercules contest for December next week. And, and are you playing this coming weekend, Steve? And this weekend I'll be playing Friday day, Saturday day, Sunday day, and Sunday night. Nice. So not as much. Um, but in the meantime, please go to our website, coverbandcentral.com. Sign up for a profile for you, your band, or both. It is free. Any questions or comments directed at me or Tony, you can email Steve at coverbandcentral.com. Anything else you want to talk about, that's the email to reach us at. And uh, hopefully we'll have a guest next week. Like I said, I'm going to reach out to Paul and see if he'll come on board. Yeah. But any other guest suggestions anybody else has, let us know. And uh, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Yeah.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 